Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? <laughs> Bruce, I, I think, I think, I don't think I'm deluding myself when I suggest that when it comes to kind of patient and optimistic Oiler fans, I'm, I'm in one of the higher percentiles. I might not be like in the 99th percentile or even the 90th percentile, but I think I'm in the top 20 percentile for patience and optimism. But Bruce, I'm not this patient. I'm not this patient. How optimistic are you, David? I'm optimistic they'll make a move. Yeah. I'm optimistic something's going to change here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lost 6 nothing to the Panthers, Bruce. Great A shots in the end were, after the Oilers had 6-3 to three in the first period, they were 15-8 to eight great A shots in the end for the Florida Panthers. The Oilers lost 6 nothing. They're in the middle of a horrendous losing streak since the uh, first week of December, where they've been the worst team in the NHL since that time. They've gone from the best team in the NHL to the worst team in the NHL. This has a This will beat the optimism and patience out of any, pretty much any orders fan. I didn't see anyone online with, with anything good to say, like honestly, like silver linings or, it was just, people are just fed up, Bruce. And and there comes a point where, whether it's right or wrong, the GM is forced to move. Mm-hmm. And I think we're at that spot. So let's anyway, we'll get into that in a bit. Let's talk about tonight's game. Two good things. Two bad things and two numbers podcast. What's your good thing? Yeah. Uh, well, I had the I had the great pleasure of attending this game in person, Dave. In fact, I paid to watch this game. I bought a ticket. Uh, <laughs> I bought a mini pack at the beginning of the year, and I got some good games on that mini pack. But uh, uh, tonight's was uh, rather disappointing. Uh, I will pick a good thing out of it. The first period, I thought it was uh, it was pulsating hockey. I really enjoyed the the, the flow of play. Uh, I thought, you know, Florida's doing pretty good and they're just sort of hanging on to stem the tide because the Oilers were throwing everything, including the kitchen sink at them. And I was down in the Florida end and Bobrovsky was weaving his spell and he uh, he kept a few out of there. It looked like a young Vladislav Trechak in the net. So he's not that young, but he is younger than Vladislav Trechak. And uh, he was just... oh. Whatever the orders were doing, that was creating good chances. And what they have in the first period, 16 or more shots, I think it was, wasn't it? Uh, uh, 17 to 7. And as you say, 6 to 3 in grade A shots and probably 5 more that grazed the goalpost or somehow deflected just wide of the net or yeah. loosened the crease but nobody could get a stick on it or it hit a guy just as it was going into the net or any number of things like the orders, puck luck. Is uh, uh, it's been bad for a while and it's still bad. Uh, I'm not going to write this loss off to puck luck, but they sure could have used some in the first period when the game was zero to zero. And this was this is a team that absolutely desperately has to get the first goal and they have to do it in a game soon before the season is over because uh, <laughs> they got out of the first period zero to zero. Usually they don't, like they almost always give up the first goal in the first period. But they got out of it 0-0 and not 2-0 ahead or something, you know, and then they would have had a fighting chance. But uh, they kind of shot their bolt in that period. And then uh, 
once Florida got ahead, oh, it just spiraled out of control. Pull your Yarvi with three tips in the first mm-hmm. period. Two of them absolutely just like should have scored or, you know, mm-hmm. I bet you the owners expected goals for that first period. If you include everything, like the missed shots, like close, it's like three goals. Like you'd expect three goals out of that many chances. It was, it was, you know, they had like, we had six grade A's. There was a couple of really solid grade B chances. I think they were in the first. And then there was a, like, as you say, these close calls, you know, McDavid had a breakaway. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Like he almost uh, went through the whole team. There was a great three-way passing play in the last minute of the period from dry to McDavid to pull the that Bobrovsky made a great stop. Close. There was. There was a power play chance where McDavid put a like the low high pass to Nurse who just hammered a one timer and he didn't score. There was just lots of really big, great chances and you know when when is the last time a, an opposition goalie has let in a weak goal early in the game like when the, when the score or was ever. close or ever against point. the Oilers like just at any they point when's the last time they got a weak goal like you know it just seems like forever ago. Anyway, you asked about uh, expected goals in the first period in all situations, 1.62 to 0.6. So according to these guys, the Oilers should have had a one-goal lead after the first. And yeah. uh, overall, the expected goals, the Oilers should have had a one-goal lead at the end of the night. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't buy that. I no, don't I don't buy that. Because I, the third period, they gave up on it. Yeah, that's not accurate. Um so, Bruce, my good thing is that the game is over. That's my good right. thing. That game's over. What's your bad thing? Move on to the next. Yeah. Well, there's lots of bad things to choose from tonight, but uh, I'm uh, uh, I'm going to, since we're only doing one bad thing and not two, I, I'm going to uh, uh, single out the, or triple out the men wearing suits uh, on this team that have... Uh, not been getting the job done and have been letting their fans down. And I'm talking about right from Bob Nicholson through uh, GM Ken Holland to the coach Ted uh, Dave Tippett and his coaching staff. Uh, this was a team that was badly outplayed tonight. They were badly out-rostered tonight. I was looking at this Florida team. Uh, Bill Zito, the guy that was interviewed by the Oilers and he was in contention until the second Ken Holland threw his hat in the ring and then he was gone. And I'm looking at all these uh, guys that they got on their roster, like Anthony Duclair that they that they picked up and, and uh, Carter Verhage that they got on the cheap in the summer. And Ryan Lomborg, you know, that's sort of a depth player, but who actually goes out there and makes things happen and he's a threat to score. And I could Brandon name more. Montour, Brandon yeah. Montour, Sam Bennett, Radko mm-hmm. Gudis. And these are a lot of these are guys that were picked up uh, by the GM in trades or, or uh, uh, just on the open market. And uh, I, you know, I, I see those guys having a big impact on this game, both in the flow of play and on the score sheet. In some cases, I mean, Carter Verhage, what a wicked shot he scored on. And uh, where are those guys on the Oilers? You know where are they? Where, where are the where are the where are the real sa- savvy additions that the Oilers have made, either through trade or through uh, um, uh, through free agent signing or picking off the scrap heap? I mean, we've had a variation of this conversation not recently about the paucity of value contracts on the Oilers. Well, then I'll talk 
a little bit about the coach and how uh, his team's defensive system is uh, not very sharp. I mean, there was a lot of free looks and uh, free, you know, and and uh, his, you know, his um, uh, strength that has been in the first two plus years of his time behind the Oilers bench special teams. Well, that's totally gone up in smoke. They got destroyed again tonight. Three penalty kill or shorthanded or goals against the penalty kill unit. Three power play goals by the Panthers. And the Oilers were unable to generate any in three chances. And it was just, I mean, as as the writing got on the wall, uh, it, it, I mean, the systems just went from from bad to worse. And uh, I said to my seatmate, with about 10 minutes left in the third period, it was 3 nothing. And I said, you know, these next 10 minutes are important for Dave Tippett. They're not going to win this game. But I'm interested to see. The Oilers had 38 shots at that point. I said they should push it to 50 shots and play their asses off and try and get one by Bobrovsky. And, you know, like, they can't quit on the game. Well, they quit on the game. And the last 10 minutes were just absolute atrocious to watch. They I mean, Bruce kept taking stupid penalties, and then they kept not being able to kill them off, and they couldn't get a save, and that you know, and they uh, they were like not covering the right man or backing off the guy who was about to put the puck in the net, uh, and it was it was just technically fundamentally poor hockey, and I got to put a chunk of that on the coach, you know, After- he's a guy coaching these systems. Where where are they? Where, where how are they shutting teams down? They're not. Yeah. After the first Florida goal, they they only had two grade-A chances. And that yeah. Florida goal came five minutes into the second period. Mm-hmm. Grade-A shots on net, just two. Oh. Yeah. So when did they quit? Um, well, I think they were I think they were shut down before they quit. Yeah, they quit they quit after the Barkov's sure. goal from the high slot that Koskinen just blew. You know, he's just, there's something not right with Mikko Koskinen. Like, he's not out far enough. Like, he's got to make that save. Like, just, how do you let that one in? So, my bad thing, I'll go with the first three goals, starting with that one. You know, it's just like Koskinen uh, has got to make that save. Mm-hmm. He's He's got to make other saves, too. But on the, the first goal, you know, Nurse was flying, playing some good hockey. He made a great defensive stop in that game in the second period where he took away a breakaway chance by Huberto. But I'll tell you what, Bruce, he's on the on the PK, which has been a massive problem for the orders um, recently. He causes that first goal against by sprawling on the ice. He tries to take away the pass. But I don't know why he had to sprawl like that. Like, honestly, like the shooter, the guy with the puck, I don't remember who it was at the side of the net. He's in no position to score. Nurse just has to go over and cover, essentially cover the guy who's in the slot. But he just decides to sprawl and, you know, and there was lots of then lots of time because the orders are out of sync on the PK, lots of time for the shooter, you know, to, um, well, I guess he did, he one timed it in the net, like, um, it was a nice shot and I don't blame Koskinen necessarily on that one, although it's nice again, nice to have a big save on a tough chance. Other teams have been getting it, the orders have not, but really nurse caused that one by sprawling, um, at the wrong moment and they put it right over him, I guess, you know. The sprawl play happens, and now and then you're going to get beat on it. But, man, that was a bad one. I'll, I'll counter that the sprawl play is taught and that the Oilers defensemen have, uh, throughout the season, had times where they laid down across the slot 
uh, when they when they're trying to pre prevent a, uh, the cross ice pass. The theory being that nine times out of ten, the guy's not going to be able to make that pass. Which and is the tenth, true. And the tenth time, when he does make it, he's going to have to lob it over the guy, uh, uh, and it takes enough time to get across that they expect the goalie should be able to get across and track it. And Koskinen just didn't quite get there, and the guy, I mean. That was uh, Barkov, absolutely buried it right in off the short side post. Like he did, he didn't mess around, and still Koskinen was he kind of had it surrounded. Like the puck, you know, he just he went off off his the, glove, didn't have his yeah. glove quite in the right place, and he sure didn't have much time to adjust. And I mean, you have to give the other guys credit. Florida is a hell of a team, and they showed it tonight, time yeah. again. Their execution is good, and their offensive uh, instincts are are excellent. They they really bring it. And uh, their, you know, their power play was connecting all night long. But uh, you could say the uh, sprawl, maybe, maybe, you know, I could be convinced that the sprawl is a good play. Like, like that the averages are there and you should keep doing it. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying it's not there, but it wasn't mm -hmm. there on that play. No, it didn't like, work and, that and time maybe, for sure. You know, it just seemed maybe uh, there's a moment to do it and a moment not to do it. And mm -hmm. I just had a sense that was the moment not to do it because I guess there was two such wide open players down yeah. low. Um, ah, but maybe, maybe, maybe this is just the one in 20 times that it, that it connects and the other 20 times you stop the play. And I, I'm, I'm just being a little bit harsh on nurse and I'm open to being wrong on this. I might be wrong, but sure didn't look that good. Earlier in the year and last year, they were laying down a lot on these plays, and the other teams weren't trying the pass. And I, it was driving me nuts. I'm saying, why are you laying on your side? Get up and stand on your feet. But maybe that's me being old school, and that's the new game. But tonight, they they got burned. And Darnell, like, and that was the end they were coming towards me, Florida. And Darnell made four outstanding defensive plays in the second period alone. But you know what? He also was on the ice for four Florida goals tonight. So Yeah, and he was... He was at fault on three of them, Bruce, that, according to my oh. calculations. You've yet to go over my chances because you're at the game, but um, mm -hmm. another uh, power he play, he, allowed, he and CC allow a cross seam, yep. and uh, on the final goal, he allows a pass uh, across. Mm -hmm. No, he, he allows a pass out to the guy in the slot. It was uh, Owen Tippett, as I recall. Right. Bruce, uh, the, this, the other, my final part of the bad thing was the, the second goal, um, it's an even right. strength goal. And on, on this one, the, the, the Florida has the puck down low. They're moving the puck around. But there's no real problem. There's enough Oilers down there. And Fogel has been covering. He's he's F1. He's down in the, playing the center position. Dreisaitl's taking his spot on the wing. And at one point, they get a little close together. Like the play's going behind the net, and Dreisaitl's kind of coming back. And um, But he when the play looks like there's going to be a pass out from behind the net, dry settle charges out to the point and he should be doing that. I think he's, it's established at that point that Fogel's F1, but Fogel gets a little confused by dry settle heading out there and he decides he's going to head out there and he leaves the guy wide open in the slot. The defensive center has got to cover whoever is the center at yeah. that moment. Who's who is F1. That is your man. And Warren Fogel left him wide open. And the puck went through CC, 
a tough play for CC to make, but you know, it's really got to be, Fogel's got to be on that guy. He's got to make that read and, and have that coverage. He didn't. And they, and they scored the, the killer, the absolute kill. Like there's a chance you'll come back from a one, nothing lead, even against the team as good as Florida. That's the killer. And you're not coming back. Carter Verhage and what a great shot he made. I mean, they executed yeah. and that was the thing. The Oilers made mistakes and Florida made them pay for those mistakes. And so, I mean, hats off to Florida. I mean, I enjoyed watching Florida tonight. They got a hell of a team. But, boy, did they make mincemeat out of Edmonton. And the longer the game went, the worse it got. They got Carter Verhage. We got Brendan Perlini. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty they much. They got Anthony Duclair. Who did we get? Warren Fogel. Warren Fogel. Yeah, yeah they yeah. got Sam. No, they got Sam Bennett. We got Warren Fogel. And they got... Yeah. I don't know who the the equivalent of, um, you know, they got Sam Reinhardt in a trade. They got, yeah, he was a free agent. Wasn't they spent he their anyway, cap space. They, no, they spent yeah. their, they traded, they traded, I'm pretty sure they traded for him, didn't they? And and uh, let me just look at this. Fine. I mean, I, it was a lot going on on that day, but I, I do remember him getting moved along to Florida and thinking he could do real well there. And I thought the same with Sam Bennett when they gave up a couple of second round picks for him. And he's doing more for Florida than uh, Andreas Athanasiu is doing for Edmonton, who also cost two second-round picks, just saying. He, they traded for him, okay. and they traded in exchange for Florida's first-round pick in the 2022 draft and goaltender Devin Levi. All right, great. So a first-round pick, essentially. I don't know about Levi. Mm-hmm. Okay, Bruce, your number. Yeah, my number is seven. Uh, I got to go with, uh, you know, seven losses in, in a row for uh, uh, Edmonton Oilers now. That's uh, uh, 700. Mikko Koskinen also has a personal seven-game losing streak, during which time the Oilers have scored seven goals, the same seven goals he was complaining about last time that he lost 4-1 in New York. And the team sure isn't providing much uh, in the way of, uh, of offense for... Uh, uh, for Miko, got much done there, so it's uh, it's all come apart at the seams, and they've uh, yeah they scored four goals a game, Bruce, in their first. I think mm-hmm. they were averaging about four goals, three point eight goals a yeah. game in yeah. their first twenty one games. Yeah, how can you go from four goals a game to less than like it's like two point three or whatever it is now? Yeah, like yeah, to thirty five in fifteen in the last fifteen games. 35 goals, so they, you know, they've, they've dropped by a goal and a half a game, and they're allowing like 1.2 goals per game more. Like, in in uh, you know, they've scored 35 and allowed 64, right? Like they were plus 19 on the season in goals, and now they're minus eight. Like, you know that old expression, regressing, regressing to, to the mean, or I like to say regressing, regressing toward the mean. Anyway, the Oilers have regressed beyond the mean and they've 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 actually more than completely blown the early um bulge that they had in both uh you know basically any stat you care to look at i listed a bunch of them in my post today and i'm not going to write another post like that again anytime soon because i'm getting sick of writing those kind of posts the team has gone from (sighs) Winning games by hooker by crook and sometimes by great hockey to all of a sudden not having a clue. 
how to win hockey games. Oh, I know what the seven in a row was. That's the seventh game in a row that they've, uh, and the seven-game losing streak that they gave up the first goal. And it's the seventh game in a row that their special teams have been outscored. So every game in this losing streak, seven-game losing streak, they've fallen behind one nothing at least. And their power play has been outscored by the other guy's power play in seven out of seven games. They haven't even sawed off. They've been outscored in seven out of seven games. Dave Tippett's special teams have just come apart at the seams. Um, one of the things being held against Tippett right now is, you know, the fact that he is, he's had Cooper Marodi, who's been one of the AHL's best players, and he's not given him a chance. Like, whereas we see these same veteran players, Cal Turris, Devin Shore, getting now Colton Sevier, like getting endless chances, Cooper Marodi nothing. Mm-hmm. I think that's a fair fair critique of uh, Tippett personally. That, How about um, Seth Griffith that had five primary assists last night? Yeah. He's the first playmaker on five uh, goals in a 6-3 Bakersfield win. The Condors have now, uh, I think they've got a five-game winning streak and a 10-game point streak. So at least things are going well down there. But maybe it's time Marodi and, or Griffith, and maybe they should be uh, thinking about... Uh, Jay Woodcroft? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there, been, there we do That's go. been out there for a while, and Woodcroft's been just going up, 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 up for the last however long, and Tippett's just been... Tippett's lost now 12 games in a row behind the bench, Dave Tippett, right? Because he missed three games to COVID, and that happened to include the two wins that they had. And his team came out hard tonight in the first period, but overall, you have to say that's a pretty dispiriting performance. So I... Let's just talk a little bit about what what might happen next because it's on the mind of every other fan. Like tomorrow is is something going to happen? Something better happen. I mean, Ken Hall needs to get off his ass. I mean, seriously, Mister Patience, Mister Patience. Well, he's very patient. He's very patient, but I mean, it's just, you know, Rome is burning. You know, he's very patient ex- because he has to be because he spent all he's right up against the cap. He spent all his money and his options are yeah. limited, but yes. he. Listen, they've got to trade for a goalie, Bruce. He, you know, you can, he can, if he want, if he doesn't want to fire Tippett, he can fire well, Tippett. Choices. He's got two choices. He can trade for a number one goalie or he can fire Tippett. They need to make a move. You can't, in, in the face of this, you know, I've been really patient and it took me a mm-hmm. long time to get to this point, yeah. you know, um, but you can't keep losing like this. You can't. You can't keep getting this kind of goaltending. And, you know, Mike Smith, listen, they've got to trade. They might they might have to do both tomorrow or, or, or in short order. Listen, Mike Smith, you can't count on him. This thing with his hand, mm-hmm. it's just it's just endless, the, the injuries he's going through. Even if he got healthy and played a, a month of great games, you can't count on him to go into the playoffs and help you win at this point. Playoffs? Yeah, playoffs, Bruce. You can't. <laughs> This is this is still a real 500 team. If you're a real 500 team, you have a chance to make the playoffs in the NHL. There's still a ton of hockey to be played. Right. So you can't go you can't go on a playoff run, counting on Mike Smith, and you sure can't count on Miko Koskinen, and you can't count on Stuart Skinner. You must trade for a goalie. You must trade for a goalie. Now, must you also fire the coach? If you trade for a goalie right away. Maybe you don't have to fire the coach. If 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 you if you're thinking that actually it's just the coach has been 
screwed up. If you take responsibility as a GM, it's not the coach's fault. I'm the guy who gave him these goalies and wow. I've sunk it. I've sunk him. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to add insult to injury by firing him now and blaming him for everything. You could, I think you could get away with not firing the coach. If you bring in a goalie, see how that goes. But it, it might take a combination of both. And if you can't trade for a goalie right now, like if there's literally nothing that's that appetizing out there, then you're probably going to have to fire the coach to shake things up and hope you get a, you hope you get a bounce until you can trade for a goalie. How can you get a bounce though with these goalies? Yeah. Well, they keep hoping that Mike Smith is going to come back and save the day, but uh, we've seen how many, I mean, he came back uh, he played two games. He got hurt. He came back. He played one game while he was hurt. Then they, they had a week off. Then after the week off, he didn't feel right in practice. And then he went out again. And it's, you know, and they haven't played many games, but uh, they haven't had much good goaltending in any of the games they've played lately. And Bad hand. This is two, two straight at home, six goals against. Ooh, Bad hands, bad groins. Like he's got, Mike Smith has a lot of problems right now with his, and too bad, like, you know, I I, I thought the orders between Costin and Smith, I thought they'd have a decent goaltending tandem this year. You know, between, you know, between those two, Costin had had a good year, Smith has had a good year. You think between one of them, you're going to get some good goalie play. Well, hasn't been the case. Um, yeah. Well, Koskinen now, of course, he was a Shirelli signing with the blessing of Bob Nicholson and the orders up for brass, but just before, the day before Shirelli got fired during a game against Detroit, as it turned out, um, that uh, that they signed Shirelli, but, I mean, or that they signed Koskinen, but, I mean, Koskinen's name was coming up during the Duncan Keith negotiations, that if the Oilers were going to take salary, they were going to, they should dump some salary on Chicago, who didn't need a goalie, and instead, Chicago taking Koskinen, they gratefully took the cap space and took Marc-Andre Fleury, reigning Vezina Trophy winner, for free. Yeah. Yeah, there is an argument to be made for firing Holland at this point, obviously. Um, he he had all that cap space this summer to improve the team. Yep. The team is definitely not improved at this point. Um, you know, my prediction, Bruce, they're going to hire, they're going to trade for a hot, hot, the Oilers will trade for a hot goalie. He will then get COVID. Um you know, the th- well, maybe I Alex Stalock looking- is going to come in and save the day. We can always be optimistic about it. Alex Stalock. I was so looking forward to seeing the line of Drysaddle, Pugliarvi, and Hyman. I thought that was actually kind of a stroke of, well, it's either a stroke of brilliance or a belated stroke of brilliance, because, like, oh. why have you tried that before? But you got these three guys you can really forecheck and puck protect. And mm-hmm. I just thought, man, that, that line, that's really intriguing. That could really work. And, you know, of course, Zach Hyman gets COVID. Of freaking course, he gets COVID. It's just like the orders are just, it's been the worst kind of COVID run in so many ways because it's just like endless trickling of good players. Instead of like getting through it all at once, like the Flames, just this endless freaking trickle. And it's, it's, it's been really, that's been really rough as well. Yeah. Like when's the last time the orders didn't have anybody on that list? <sighs> Early yeah. December. CC came back. There might have been a game or two between him coming back from missing four before the next people went on. And then, but since then, it's just been just endless ongoing. Misery. 
Yeah, things aren't. Uh... At least after the All Star break, they don't have to test you unless you're symptomatic. So, well, at this point, almost everybody's had a positive test, except for Leon. They said something like seventy-three percent of all NHLers, yeah, been on the list. I mean. Yeah, well, with Omicron, it's like half the population yeah. is going to be by well, the end of it. They made, yeah, the, the rules that they made were for the, for you know, the last variant and this yeah, one, they made this sense one. up until now, and now they, I don't think they do, and they're 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 changing them a little belatedly to help the orders at least through this. I mean, no, of course, nobody knew, no one knew for sure how Omicron was going to play out with the general population. We're just learning now. And, you know, so out of an abundance of caution or just a reasonable amount of caution, and they decided to stick with the old rules. And and it's hard to change rules on the fly. You got to see how things go. So I, I, I'm i not really criticizing them now. I'm glad they're changing the rules now. It makes sense until unless there's some unexpected development with COVID. <laughs> expect the unexpected with COVID, of course. But um, the new rules now match the reality. So hopefully it'll work out better. We're both triple vaxxed, eh, Bruce? So. Oh, yeah. I guess we could get it. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm fully expecting to get it, but I'm also expecting that I'll I'll be well equipped to deal with it because I'm. I've totally. Yeah, I've totally been exposed to it. I'm coaching, and like it's all over. It's all over minor hockey. Like tons of kids are getting it, and um, I've definitely been exposed. But and and maybe I even had it and didn't even know. Like, but um, I doubt that. Uh, I haven't had any other than like I had a bad cold there for a month, but it wasn't COVID. All right. Well, Bruce, we will meet again on Saturday night. Hopefully, it's the Flames. Well, the Flames beat the Panthers five to one, and then the Panthers beat the Oilers six to nothing. So that either says that the Flames are ten goals better than Edmonton, or it means this is going to be one of those weird round robins where everybody kicks the crap out of each other once each, and maybe we're going to beat the Flames like eight to eight to one or something. <laughs> <sighs> I can't even imagine that something good happening. It's be, like it's just been beaten out of me. I just can't imagine the Oilers. They just they just are un. What's that line from a Bruce Springsteen song? I was unrecognizable to myself. Like uh, what? What is this team? Who are these guys? Like what is going on? Their their back has been broken. Their heads are like just in pulverized. Their confidence is gone. Their game's gone. They just they're this desperate. They they come out there flying with this unbelievable zeal and de- des- fueled by desperation, and they, they get a goal against, and then they crumple. This is this is a t. Te- so this is why you come back to the coach, right? But it's you know you come back to the coach and say, well, that's on the coach. But then, if well, you, only you know, some of it's bad goaltending. But bad goaltending yeah. will do that to you. It just just it's well, such a shock to your system, and that's on the manager. Well, this particular goalie and contract to some degree is on the poho because he's he uh he said so the day that Chirelli was fired. He said that the orders had been fully fully um involved right up to the top on the on that decision. Yeah, Bob Nicholson, fair enough. So I mean that that's um uh uh I'm starting so, to wait I'm waiting for some solutions and I'm not seeing any. From what any would you, of these. What would you what would you do tomorrow? Oh, all of those guys are lucky that I'm not Daryl Case. <laughs> you get rid of all of me. Eh? 
<laughs> that would be a very strong temptation. It may it may wait until the season's over, but I mean it's it's possible that it might happen, but not probably tomorrow. Which is why they're lucky I'm not Daryl Gates. <laughs> I sat in the seat tonight, David. The game ended. My seatmate left left early because uh, she has a five goal rule. And I said, no, I always stay to the end, and the game ended, and I just kind of sat in my seat, and I was, I'm sure I had the thousand-yard stare, looking right down to the, to the, to the uh, far end of the building, and just, I'm, I don't know if it was five minutes, ten minutes, and I was just, just kind of sitting there, stunned that, that they got so completely outclassed and shellacked by the end, and it was, uh, it was hard. Of course, to everyone's extra grumpy because they got to wear their masks all game and can't eat anything and drink anything so it's a grumpy grumpy (laughs) crowd anyway so oh man oh boy oh boy oh boy well i'm you know i'm enjoying hockey this year bruce i've never had more fun playing hockey in my Mm -hmm. life like honestly i have never had more fun 59 years old came back from a 30-year absence from the game to play adult hockey again i've never had more fun than this year I'm really enjoying the team that I'm coaching. So for me, mm-hmm. that's hockey. That's the yeah. hockey that I'm excited about. And mm-hmm. uh, I wish it was a trifecta, but it yeah. is not. But it could be again. So there I'm regaining my optimism. We'll see what Baker, happens. Bakersfield. You know, Bakersfield's doing good, Dave. I got to watch yeah. some of those games, but I'm just... Grooming players and coaches alike. Yeah, Philip Broberry's got, you know, he's got, what, 16, 14 or 16, 16 points, I think, now in 20-some games. So, hey, maybe call him up. Can't get, you know, maybe, oh. maybe see how that works out. Although, no, trade for a goalie, man. Trade for a goalie. And, and if that doesn't work, bring in a new coach. And if you, and um, those are the moves. Can't you trade for some goalie? Isn't Louis Levasseur still out there? <laughs> well, Jimmy Howard, former Detroit, uh, long-term Detroit goalie, is an unrestricted free agent. I'm sure he would... But, you know, I'm, I don't know if there's a number one out there, David, but even a number two at this point would look pretty good. You know, the equivalent of Dwayne Rolofson. Find that guy. Isn't he there? Uh-huh. Isn't there some team that's out? They say ta- they can't make it flurry work because of the cap. Like, uh-huh. that's what I, uh, that's what um, Pierre Lebrun was saying today. Well, make it work. Figure out a way. Make yeah. it work. Make this happen. <clears throat> He's the best bet. Or maybe, you know, you know, I guess they probably don't want to bet on Dreger from Seattle because he's having such a bad year and he's got a big contract. Uh, yeah. All right. Let's leave it there, Bruce. All right. Thanks for talking. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. <laughs>